Hey guys, welcome back to the Greenback Voyage Podcast. I'm your host, Shravan. And I'm your co-host, Joel. And I'm your co-host, Krishna. And welcome back this week. Uh, this week, I guess the topic we're going to focus on is the inflection point, as Jerome Powell mentioned. Uh, but before we move on to that, let's just highlight some main, I guess, topic points throughout the week. I, I think the first one we got to mention is... Um, you know, banks came out with their quarterly earnings and they all provided various surprises. I think Goldman was the biggest one out of all of them. And it just kind of shows, you know, how much their profits were fueled by this much stock market boom. Um, I think JP Morgan as well mentioned that, you know, the next couple of years for them are proving to be successful and they hope to increase demand as well as increased supply in both the capital markets world as well as the bond market. So we'll see how that does in the next couple of years. Um, I know you two want to talk about this more, about cryptocurrencies. I got into uh, the coin stock for a bit when it opened at like 380. I got in at like 390. I think I wrote it up to like 415 or something. And then I got like stopped out at 410. But it was, a, it was a good trade for me. I don't know if you guys got into it at all. I never got into coin, never had the opportunity, because by the time I woke up in the morning, coin was already at like 360, and I was scared that the pump and dump would happen by then. So I never um, really had the balls to enter. Wait, it opened at like 11 a.m., fam. Yeah. <laughs> On a weekday. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I missed out the opportunity because of my shitty sleep schedule. So another opportunity oh, will come. Yeah. And I know, uh, Joel, you were talking about, I don't know if you invested in coin, but you were talking about investing in some other crypto. Yeah, we were doing Dogecoin trades last night. Oh, gosh. Joel, you want to talk about your Dogecoin experience a little bit? Well, first I'll address uh, something about Coinbase. Um, so yesterday, Sharon and I were looking at the ARC trades, and uh, Kathy Wood has been doing something very unusual. She's been selling a lot of Tesla shares and she's been adding a lot of Coinbase shares. I think on Friday she she sold nearly a hundred million dollars worth of Tesla shares and she bought around seventy million worth of Coinbase shares. So I think I think Kathy's I think Kathy's concern is well placed because uh, remember when Kathy Wood said that Tesla would hit three thousand dollars for a stock. I think she's slowly realizing that that might not be possible because companies like Ford and GM are coming out with their own versions of self-driving. And while Tesla is still the market leader when it comes to self-driving technology, there is a lot of comp competition now and they're slowly improving over time. So the next 10 year target for 3000 might not be as achievable as Kathy thinks. Oh, am I hearing uh, some uh, discrepancies in your Tesla arguments? I Over think the argument remains intact, but we don't agree with Kathy Wood's price target. We yep. didn't agree on the price target, but we did agree, have a different argument on the sales. Yeah, but you know, growth. new competitors provide new opportunities for more people to get in and compete against Tesla. That I don't know. I still. If you, if you saw. Well, I don't want to go on a tangent here with the whole <laughs> part two of Tesla debate, but if you look at the sales growth, especially the pictures I sent you in the group chat uh, a few weeks ago, they're growing very, very fast. And it's only a matter of time before they corner the market in Europe and China. So I think, but I mean, yeah, we, we have, more, we have other pressing issues to continue now. So continue on. <laughs> yeah. I think, I, I, think, I we... think the first thing, the first most important thing is 
who who do you guys have your money on? Jake Paul or Ben Askren? Jake oh, Paul. Gosh. Jake Paul. I, really? I don't. I don't dude, even want to get into that. It. That dude the, the has fight's been in training. It. That dude has been training, man. Yeah, but <laughs> it's Ben Askren, man. I okay, I don't know. I, I love to hear like, an underdog story. That's I always uh, back for the underdogs, but Ben Askren, he's 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 veteran MMA. He's got a pretty good record. Um, but he, you guys saw his like uh, the hit the the fight that made history, right? Where he got like yeah. the flying knee to the face, and then that yeah. kind of just closed off his career. But I, you know, I I personally think I'm kind of rooting for Jake Paul for this, because uh, I I just want to see the underdog, and I I like upsets given our. I match can't margins. stand Jake Paul. <laughs> I love underdogs as much as you, but I can't stand Jake Paul. He, he he's Any an idiot, nominee. but but I still want to see him win. Oh, gosh. Just for the that would be insane if he wins, man. That would. Mm-hmm. Ah, you want to talk to about take... someone else that we all might hate, though? Bernie yeah. Madoff. Oh yeah, Bernie Madoff, the largest yeah. Ponzi scheme runner, dies at he was, eighty-two. What he's a guy. the Wall Street of Wall Street, basically. <laughs> Imagine scamming Wall Street. <laughs> oh man, I mean, it was successful for the longest time. We we got to take notes to from this. I'm good. I'm fairly good. I don't want to deal with anything with that. <laughs> no, nah, I'm trying to I will the invest... next Bill Huang. Just want to put that on the record. <laughs> Broke? <laughs> oh, man. You don't have to say that. We're not talking about the end result. We're talking about the mid. Oh, my God. It's insane how much this guy just scammed investors. I think it was, in the end, it was almost $100 billion. I was close uh, to like 70 or 60, I think, right? No, Still I think they, they could not uncover, I think, like 40, 50 billion dollars. <laughs> oh, shit. So, yeah, they're estimating it's around 100 billion. Jeez. Uh, yeah, it's it's ridiculous, fam. How, how he ran with this since, I think it was 1970, he was running this until mm-hmm. 2008, 2009. For so long, he just kept running it. Yeah. yeah, you always but, find sketchy people in finance. I mean, that you find sketchy people everywhere. You just got to be careful about where you place your bets. In yep. finance, it's difficult because more most people don't understand the intricacies of finance and what they're getting into. Um, you know, life insurance is like another sort of scam where people think they are, you know, going to save up for their future and all that. And help out their family, but in reality, doesn't really happen. Insurance, life insurance, insurance itself, itself, not just life insurance, but term insurance is also a massive scam. Because people who come as travelers mm -hmm. on term insurance, they're just paying for for their premiums, right? Hoping that they'll get covered in sorts of emergencies, and then only one percent of claims are ever like actually paid off. While ninety nine percent are just thrown out for ridiculous reasons. So insurance mm-hmm. in general, there's a lot of scams in that industry. Yeah, I think so. A lot of pyramid schemes, right? Uh, they actually target these life insurance policies that combine. It's 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 named like the index accumulator or something like that. They tie like life insurance with a investment policy, and um, it, it's it's a very it's a it's a huge target for a lot of these pyramid schemes out there that have like these uh, selling selling. Uh, quotas for these policies so yep and a lot of her parents are actually subject to such pyramid schemes like i know my dad's friends have gotten themselves stuck in in um this this new life uh insurance policy called iul yep Yep. which is like 
uh, I, I forgot the full form of IUL, but it's essentially like a life insurance policy, which gives you like 12% returns every year, and there's no downside risk. But if yeah, you really yeah, look cap at it off, the, right? <laughs> the, the, if you look at the real results, right? You're, you're most in most years, your like gains are capped to like four percent. You're not really beating it's the, the fees. It's mainly the fees. That's all it is. Yep, and it's, it's the almost same like impossible to sell that stuff because like half yeah. the population they they know what's going on, so they're not gonna buy it. So the moment you're in that selling quota, you've paid all your fees to get your licenses and all of that. You're already mm -hmm. at a net loss, and it's very hard to come out of that. Yeah, it's the same with four hundred one k in essence. But I think I think we can skip that topic for now. I think we don't want to rant too much about how Insurance. our retirement system works. Um, I think what we need to focus on more is uh, what we're here to talk about, which is inflection point. So I know Powell on like sixty minutes. Um, he had a pretty nice office, had a shovel. So I don't I don't know what the point of that was, but he talked about how America was in inflection point, and this was the time to see whether. America can truly rebound from this coronavirus crash or whether we will keep on, you know, fading into the economy. And I think one of the main figures that was highlighted was uh, the CPI rose like 0.6 for the month. And now it's up, I think, 2.6 year over year, which yeah, is insane. Yeah, retail spending was insane. I think the last report, yeah. huge spike. Yeah, I think it was up like 10% and consumer confidence is, you know, spiked up as well. I think this is all coming off the stimulus checks and all. Um, and many strategists out there, many analysts are saying, you know, invest in financials, invest in industrials, invest in energy. You know, more people are going to start rotating their funds into these sectors. Um, I think especially industrials with Biden's new infrastructure plan, uh, in essence, you know, it might be short-term, it might be long-term gains, but they will start to spike up once more people start talking about it. Yeah. And one of the major, like, backlashes of increasing CPI is inflation, right? Because CPI directly contributes to inflation. Yeah. So over the years, if our CPI does continue to increase at an irregular pace, because we are injecting a lot of artificial funds into the, the economy, mm -hmm. right? So if the CPI does continue to blow up like this, we could see some significant inflation figures in the future. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was this year, but from what I'm hearing from the Fed, uh, most of them, including Powell and I think the um, uh, the Missouri Fed, they're both saying they want to keep inflation above, or CPI at least above 2.5 for at least a year before they focus on um, any type of measures to decrease it. But yep. yeah, I think other than that, um, there's a new American Airlines JetBlue partnership that's coming under major scrutiny over the DOJ. Uh, I don't know if you guys can talk more about this. But... I actually talked about it a little more in our last special. Remember mm -hmm. when I talked about how there was hyper-regulation in the airlines industry and that kind of reduces competition? Yeah. And now with this American Airlines JetBlue partnership, it's kind of narrowing down the market even more. So first you had like an essential oligopoly, right? You had four major airline industries in the U.S. And now with two major ones kind of merging, right, with a partnership, that's going to reduce competition even more. And especially with the significant amount of re uh, regulation, it's going to be impossible for new vendors to come into the airline industry. So I really hope the 
the Justice Department chooses to not allow this because it's honestly a step backwards for the airline industry. Isn't this more of an FTC thing? Why is the DOJ coming into this? Because they do need to verify certain legal proceedings with the merger or partnership, right? So mm-hmm. that's kind of why the Justice Department also has a say. For example, if you look at Disney's and 20th Century Fox's acquisition in 2019, the uh, Justice Department had a significant say f- to approve the, the merger. So without the uh, Justice Department, you re- literally cannot approve of merger or partnership. Okay. All right. Yeah, hopefully, I guess, who is it? Who's the new chairman? I think Simmons, right? I don't know. Hopefully he's better than... I actually than... don't know. Yeah. I think it is Simmons. Uh, Joseph Simmons or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, I think he might have been the previous one. Who's the current one? Huh. That's besides the point, though. Speaking of new chairmans, we have a new SEC chairman confirmed. His name's Gary Gensler. Yeah. Yeah, we've been talking about him for a while, I think, me and Joel. Um, He's said to be very strict on policies, especially when regulating the markets. It'll be interesting to see where he takes it. I mean, I would would like to look at it as a positive. But I don't know. SEC, in my opinion, it provides a false sense of security uh, such that, you know, the American people think that the SEC is regulating the markets when you know sometimes one they don't even have the manpower to really regulate the markets to its true power or it just doesn't want to for reasons um that's why i'm hoping gensler provides some more i guess opaqueness or transparency about what's going on within wall street what's going on in the financial world in general but I don't know. I don't know what you guys think about the SEC. I, I actually don't know much about this guy. So I really don't have a prior bias against him. But I'm always for more regulation in the SEC. Because we don't want incidents like the Bill Huang incident to happen mm-hmm. again. Yeah, so, I'm all for it. It's just that I don't want them to provide a false sense of security. That's also uh, true. Either say you're going to provide more regulation and do it with results. Or... We might as well have no regulation so we can see for ourselves the true nature of the markets. And yeah, I think uh, moving on from that, our last major, I guess, U.S. news is uh, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which, you know, has had some blood clots. I mean, then again, it's only like six... Six women, right? Like... It's it, it's a logistical nightmare, though, because even if it's just six women, it still strikes fear in people's hearts, right? Because this, this is a relatively new vaccine. People yeah. were told it was extremely safe. It's what They were told that it's going to significantly reduce the backlashes of coronavirus pandemic. So mm-hmm. now when you have all this positivity and hope floating around this vaccine, especially because it's a single-dose vaccine, and all of a sudden you have blood clots in the news, that's freaky, right? And now with, with people shifting, cause the, because the government's issuing these vaccines, signing up for vaccines was already like not the ideal setup, right? It's difficult to sign up for a vaccine. The reply times for getting the vaccines are pretty high. There's a huge backlog. And now with everyone not wanting Johnson & Johnson and switching back to the Moderna-Pfizer phase, that's going to be chaotic. And I honestly... I'm looking to see how Biden is really going to solve this because there, there's already enough backlogs with Moderna and Pfizer. How are they going to 
sustain all this new demand shifting from Johnson and Johnson. They'll probably yeah. so they have deals to sell to other countries, right? So they can do it to Canada, Mexico. Few few weeks ago, they sold a good amount of Johnson and Johnson vaccines there, and there's a lot of countries. There's a lot of countries out there that don't have the vaccine too. So um, we that's still, extremely I mean, shady. Like like on moral grounds, let's talk a bit about morality. That's just wrong because you know wrong? that the vaccine is potentially risky, right? And the U.S. government just to kind of clear like. Kind of break even is selling these profit uh, these yeah, vaccines but listen, to listen, other countries. It's not like it's not like ten percent or twenty percent of the people are getting who are getting the Johnson and Johnson or getting these blood clots, right? It's like it's a single digit uh, number, and um, I mean even after the news, I, I I know a lot of coworkers who went and got the vaccine. Johnson um, Johnson. Yeah, like even my manager got the Johnson Johnson vaccine this week. Oh my, those guys are ballsy. I mean, think about, okay, so all, of all the people who got the uh, blood clots, what percentage of do you think it's of for everyone uh, who got administered? Is it above 1% or le- far less than that? It's it's very low right now. I think it's right, only it's like 7 or low. 8 declared cases. But once again, uh, you need to take into account that a lot of people might not be able to communicate their blood clots, right? The second thing is... Uh, people might ha- re- like experience this in the future like it could be a long-term effect so you don't really know fully what the johnson johnson vaccine contains and you right. also have the issue where the johnson and johnson vaccine kind of mixed with the astrazeneca vaccine and kind of got corrupted so i think like seven million doses just got wasted because they were corrupted so i mean it's with, the same with, with all- astrazeneca right yeah yeah like, didn't they waste they wasted i think about a third of their own supply before sending it off to both Canada and Mexico. Exactly. So with all these mess ups in the vaccine industry, honestly, I think Pfizer and Moderna are really going to become the market leaders because people have lost their trust for Johnson and Johnson. Yeah, as Warren Buffett says, it takes 75 years to build up your reputation, but it can be destroyed in 15 seconds. Yep. But yeah, I think South Africa is actually restarting their uh, J&J vaccine. Um, like they, they also, I think, suspended it for about a week. But one, their debts, are, I think, are like ridiculous as well in South Africa. Uh, so they need to just start implementing it again. A topic I believe we should talk about in the future, but not necessarily right now, is will Africa catch up to the modern world? And how long would that take? That's <laughs> uh, a difficult Africa as an entirety, or like which Africa as an entirety, because they're still experiencing a significant amount of colonial effects because they're still a relatively new, like independent country, right? Compared to all the other colonized countries, so we really need to take a deeper dive into Africa and see how they can industrialize to reach the current technological levels of the world. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other issues at play. Um, it's not like we can just basically say, oh, we'll give you some money, just work or focus on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think South America has a better chance than Africa right now, in my opinion. Yep, that is true. I, I, I don't want to go off on a huge tangent here, but so there, there's these countries um, in Northern Africa, right? They don't have the infrastructure. Uh, they don't have much money. Their country, the, the currency might be inflated. Um, and you have countries like China that go in and they give them all this money uh, in exchange for, you know, uh, power or land in the country. 
um i think we can touch that on uh, in the foreign segment that we covered but that's that's actually like a very important issue that's happening right now china should be a whole entire segment in itself because they're making some big moves yeah china's kind of become like the global you know loan shark with these countries that 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 have not caught up to you know the the pace that the uh, that the globe's on but you know this this is actually what china's doing to and uh and in like countries near india like sri lanka china's doing the same thing one of their ports is now completely chinese owned and they're bringing in they're going to bring in naval ships and things like that so it's going to be near india's border so they're doing this with you know uh latin american countries european countries that don't have the infrastructure don't have the money and they're doing it in african countries and 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 middle eastern countries so um yeah that's uh, that's a huge topic actually we yeah. we are kind of going off on a tangent let's how about let's get back to american news yeah where i think we have great. a lot of technology uh news as well where dell stated that it would spin off its stake in cloud software company vmware uh holding oh. value to 52 billion which is definitely bringing more competition into the cloud sourcing market so is vmware going to be just its own company is that what they're planning to do that's kind of what they're planning to do yeah so dell kind of just backing off okay. from the entire industry wow that's huge news um yeah. i think that entire industry i mean you look at dell intel they're all i think and ibm especially they're all switching their business models to incorporate more i guess cloud-based strategies yeah probably going to SaaS based you know service yeah yep and uh, ibm especially is making uh some progress on their this concept called the hybrid cloud where it's essentially like an api for cloud where um all all third-party applications it's kind of, you guys have heard of uipath right Mm-hmm. UiPath is kind of I've like a software. So UiPath is kind of like a software where uh, you can customize other stock software. So if you have like uh, uh, custom off-the-shelf softwares like Oracle's uh, Java, for example, I'm taking a very simple example, right? And you want to kind of like add on to a certain like UI element, you can use UiPath to like increase it, right? So IBM's hybrid cloud system is kind of very similar to that, where it's a customization on cloud. So if you have like but, AWS, you can customize it a little more. See, UiPath is more tailored towards, uh, so if you look at their certifications, right, the RPA certification stands for Robotic Process Automation. I've used mm-hmm. UiPath before. Uh, basically what you what allows you to do, it allows you to automate a website or a software. And so you take your mouse, you track the motion and it will replicate that for you. So a year back, I think I discussed this before, and I created this Excel sheet that automatically downloaded like the options data and things like that. And I used the UiPath uh, software to go into bar chart. It will click the download button and it will go to Excel. It will filter out and it will update onto uh, the sheets, uh, Google Sheets. And this can all be done. So you do it once with uh, manually and you record that and then it will do it automatically on repeat. So the whole idea with RPA is that you can get rid of all these like these very very minor uh, jobs that are in the IT industry and you just automate like 20 or 30 percent of your software development and things like that yep. um, and it's yeah. a it's a very nice business model because if you yeah, look at all the top be huge, uh, software be very companies like, so in essence this is in essence this is what both IBM 
or I guess just IBM is trying to go for now? Yeah, so IBM's cloud is very different from other people's because it's kind of like a customizable cloud, right? It's Isn't that exactly what like AWS USB. is as well? No, so it's AWS actually is all a of framework. Them are the same, right? AWS is like a framework which you build applications on. IBM's hybrid right. cloud is not really a framework you can build applications on. It's a customization of like a already existing cloud platform. So okay. if you have an application built on AWS, right, and you want to add certain elements to that cloud, that's when you would implement hybrid cloud from IBM. So, so it's exactly like UiPath for existing would software. Would you say they're a competitor to AWS then? Not necessarily, no? no. I would okay. say Salesforce and uh, Azure are prime competitors to AWS, but IBM Hybrid Cloud is its own business unit. Okay, alrighty. All right, uh, I think that's all we have in terms of the tech news. I think we can more move on to foreign news where- Actually, actually been... I mean, I, yeah, I, like I mean, to touch on one, one more thing. So yeah. uh, I don't know if you guys have been following Neo for a while, but they have this exclusive partnership uh, with Ford now, and basically Ford cars will now be able to use Neo's battery uh uh you know the, their battery infrastructure in china um and it's kind of giving this birth to a new industry space called the bas bas which stands for battery as a service and i think neo is kind of becoming the, the it's going to be the you know it's going to be on the front in terms of uh the the industry here they, they i think they're going towards you know how like neo has like plans to do like this uh you you park your car in this little box and it will switch the batteries under it Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're they're unveiling their technology and they're actually working on it currently, and they're also going to be uh, giving out their the battery infrastructure or the the EV recharging infrastructure as a as a kind of like a SaaS play where you can you pay like a subscription fee for that. So I think that, that I think that was pretty cool to see. That's Ford huge because if you really look at the battery market for most electric vehicles, right? Most of the bat- batteries are lithium powder powered, right? Are lithium based. And if yeah, you look at the total lithium-based uh, like reserves in the world, I think around 12% of it uh, is in Asia, and majority of it is concentrated in South America. Like Argentina is a ma- massive lithium producer, right? And there there are shortages for lithium, which is kind of a challenge for the electric vehicle market as a whole. So battery as a service is like a great business model because you're not depending on your own lithium sources. You're kind of like outsourcing it to other companies. Mm-hmm. So is Neo, I guess, then competing with more with Tesla now since they're going to be making their own batteries and shipping it off to American No, no, no. It's, it's battery recharging, you know, the EV recharging as a service, not battery shipping oh, as a service. Oh, okay, okay. I should have worded that differently, but you know, it's kind of these kind of spin-offs on like the SaaS model, right? Like the mm-hmm. TAS transportation as a service, uh, BAS battery as a ser- as a service. It's kind of starting to boom right now. Uh, I think these these would be like huge, uh, you know, disruptive markets that will be coming in the next two decades. The the TAS and the BAS. So yeah, that's what I like. To, uh, to yeah. Talk the about. only thing I'm worried about with Neo is just. Um, I guess like Virgin Galactic, they're offering like a lot of shares. Yeah, they're taking advantage which, of the recent uh, rise. Yeah, there. which tends to boost up their own net income. So it's hard for me to like kind of see if they can truly grow in the market. Um, they do have potential. I'm not like saying they don't, but I mean, I'm pretty sure they it, like, what was it like two quarters ago or something? Like they went from like 1 billion shares issued to like 1.2 billion shares 
and that's like that's a that's a lot for them to yeah, issue so and the other concern i have with neo is the fact that it's chinese i yeah. usually tend not to trust chinese companies because i think they're more focused on the chinese and asian market rather than the u.s yeah um, i mean not only that is you never know when like the the you know the congress or like sec or biden with his uh, uh you know e- uh executive orders come out and say we're gonna ban we're gonna delist like chinese stocks off the off the market or something like that that could yep. that's all that that that's actually a, a possibility in the in the current like climate between us and china so um mm-hmm. so yeah that, i mean they delisted china mobile limited uh right. and like some other chinese telecommunications companies specifically yeah, and so, and also like the Luckin Coffee incident. That also, I yeah. I don't think Neo would be doing what Luckin Coffee was doing, but that also damaged like Chinese stocks as a whole, right? So mm-hmm. uh, you know, in you're, you're investing in like an ADR, right? American Deposit Res- uh, was it repository something like that? You're not yeah. really buying into the company. You're buying into like an entity of that it's was basically from the yeah, company, it's right? basically an offshore company that they've created. Right, where, right. So there's a lot of these fear factors, right? So. Yeah. Kind of like a safety measure against all this crackdown on Chinese stocks, right? Uh, dozens of Chinese companies have publicly pledged to comply with the U.S.'s like anti-monopoly laws since Beijing, Beijing like reined in business, the empire of like Jack Ma. So like Alibaba is being cracked <laughs> down huge. by the CCP. So now Chinese companies are scared and they're actually cooperating with the U.S. government. So maybe we won't see a crack complete crackdown anytime soon i, I don't know it's it's <laughs> hard though i think crazy. there needs to be because i mean that's what you know u.s companies said in you know early 2000s and then you look at enron and boom that idea goes out the window so i don't think you can ever trust china fully mm-hmm. um it's why i'll never be investing in any chinese, chinese companies. companies yep yeah, unless they get rid of the ADR, um, it will ha- be hard for me to like invest in any. Actually, speaking of Alibaba, didn't they get hit with the fine about like two point eight billion or something? It's really point. funny to see that China is also cracking down on monopolies, which makes no no sense because this no, CCP it, it is makes total sense, fam. Well, they're cracking down on it, and they're probably going to nationalize or try to gain yeah, more control. They did it with control. Ant Financial already. Yeah, Ant oh, is pretty much major news. Ant- yeah, because I remember Ant much Financial was like a huge talk on the markets pre-IPO, and then the IPO never happened. Yeah, so yeah, Ant Group, what happened with what happened with Ant Group was, um, it was going to be the biggest IPO or tech IPO that was going to come out, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone was very excited, uh, and Jack Ma was going to be insanely rich. But what ended up happening is Chinese the Chinese officials cracked down on it, and they they forced they forced Ant Group to turn into Ant Financial Group or something like that. And now they'll be overseen by a huge board or some big uh, Chinese entity, and they won't have uh, as much freedom as they did before. So it's going to be kind of like a holdings company right now. And this is why you never fight against China. Yep. I mean, man, he should have just waited a couple more years. There's no reason for him to hold that press conference. Sorry, Jack Ma to hold that press conference back in November and bash the Chinese regulations right in front of them they had <laughs> he also a disappeared for like two months <laughs> oh, i think be, i think for a subway employee i mean a guy who got rejected by subway i think he's doing pretty good uh, i mean he's done pretty well it's just well why would you fight against china yeah it not the smartest no in the in the club yeah but he's but, rich enough so we can't question him yeah 
It's surprising though. I don't know if you saw Alibaba stock the day after. Investors, I, um, I guess investors are weird sometimes, but their behavior was uh, Alibaba got off light with a two point eight billion dollar fine, and their stock price went up. I think like nine percent the following. I don't understand that because remember when Google got fined three billion dollars in Europe for data concerns, mm -hmm. right? Google stock plummeted after that. And for Alibaba, they get fined $2.8 billion, which is virtually the same amount. So and their stock like, price goes uh, up. I, it's could, just investors, like, they thought, you know, Alibaba was not even going to be listed anymore. Well, I so, mean, could it, could it be any, like, buybacks that they did on the No, day? no, no way. No way. They, no way they instituted... Their, their market cap rose, like, $44 billion on that day, from oh, what I remember. Wait. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I really don't understand Chinese things. stocks. Like, it's impossible to predict their movement. No, I think it's just investors in the past year with their thematic investing, it, it's gone off the rails. I mean, at some point, we're going to have to come back to fundamentals, but it's going to be tough to That's probably never going to happen. Uh, it, I mean, if you think about it, we just had a huge shift, shift with retail investors, 5x mm -hmm. retail investors that just came into the market, and they're investing more. The retail body is like, I think, what, 10 times what the previous decade had? Like, I don't know. I mean, let's we're be real. Like, as as a part of the retail investor population, we don't know squat about fundamentals, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm talking about myself, not you guys. But when <laughs> when you don't really have the 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 ground knowledge for for properly investing in a stock like the hedge funds do, right? And we can still manipulate markets. That's huge. So honestly, I don't think we'll ever revert back to the the phase where fundamentals have. Yeah. Um, utmost significance no i i think at some point we will it's happened in the past and it's going to happen in the future everyone thinks it'll keep going up i mean what yet interest rates in the 80s spike up everyone well, thought that was going to go up see, forever we're, we're living in like a huge age of information right let's say you're yeah, like in I the mean, 1980s the same, and you want to yeah, invest in a oil stock was, oil was there back then that was the new thing back then and then right, what i'm saying is like internet 1980s you want to buy a stock you go on the newspaper you see mm -hmm. you see the quote in the morning and that's it right you don't mm -hmm. know how the price is going to fluctuate you, no one knows right now you get on your phone and it's like right there that that type that's of true, information it doesn't matter how new the technology is at some point equilibrium will happen it might well, I think while, the market though. I think like the stock market as a whole has been disrupted and I think it's not going back to the fundamental place uh, I think there's just a huge amount of retail money in in the market. A lot of people are, you know, this is all people on Robinhood, Webull, you know, no. maybe using brokerages that are like Trade and Fidelity. It's I, the era of pump care. and dump. The number of yeah, stocks that have been pumped and dumped, like Palantir early 2020, and then you have uh, GME. You have I mean, Neo like was Nokia. even pumped and dumped. Yeah, Neo was pumped and dumped too. Like all, a lot of meme stocks have been pumped and dumped by retail investors, and it's been extremely successful. Yeah, right. I, but, I mean, see, most of these most of these retail investors, they, they don't care about what the fundamental is. They go on some YouTube channel. They study about, oh, this is a bull pennant. Oh, this is a bull flag. I'm going to use the moving averages. But the I'm thing, try the to thing is, retail, everyone thinks retail investors are the new thing. Yes, they will cause some uncertainty with the markets. I'm not going to argue against that. That's what we saw with GameStop. But hedge funds, institutional funds, they still control the market like no i don't i don't see a lot of hedge funds are very scared to short any stock right now they're no, scared no, to I short agree. but I, I agree with uh shravan in saying that hedge funds do control the market still 
but I'm saying the retail investors have significant power now. Like, oh, sure, yeah, they're yeah, not powerful yeah. enough to combat hedge funds. Because if you look at GME, right, you have uh, institutions like Robinhood and TD Ameritrade just banning these stocks from being traded for a day, which, like, plummeted short interest. Well, I'm so not talking about the people... power the power imbalance in the market. I'm more talking about the approach to investing. Like, no retail investor is going to go study balance sheet for the past five years, do some valuation analysis. He's going to look at the stock. He's going to read about the company. He's going to determine what the future value is based on what's what the news is coming out, what he knows about the industry. And he's probably going to look at some little financial document, but he's not going to go as in-depth no, as, what, I don't let's say, like a so. Buffett disciple would be. And that's going to that's gonna stay. History I, it's not gonna repeats go back. itself. That's all I'm saying. Everyone in, you know, late... Every everyone in the late '90s thought tech stocks were the thing. They put their life savings into it. You look at the Great Depression right beforehand. Everyone put their money into stocks before, like it, the market crashed. You look at early 2000s after the Nasdaq crashed. Everyone thought, oh, now housing's gonna run, and everyone thought housing prices would go up forever. It's the same thing that's gonna happen. Everyone will just think that fundamentals are never in play. As long as everyone just keeps pushing it up then it will never come crashing down but that's not the reality it it keeps repeating itself i'm telling you man i don't know when it will calm down i just hope there's not a crash i just hope there's some consolidation uh but yeah i i mean the fed is mainly the main player here that's my opinion Speaking of hedge funds and banking, actually, did you know that the U.S. claimed that they will retaliate retaliate against Russia due to the whole election, like hacking concerns uh, of Russia interfering with the 2016 election? And I don't know why that, they keep going to this. Yeah, but but Russia also kind of banned um, major U.S. bank stocks from trading on the Russian market. So you have like Goldman, Morgan Stanley, all these stocks don't even trade on the Russian market. So it's kind of like a two-way war. But like not really. See the problem. Okay, Russia is trying to be relevant. Okay, no one cares about Russia anymore. The focus is on China. They're not as strong as us. Our intelligence budget is equivalent to Russia's defense budget. They're just trying to be relevant with what what they're doing. They need the attention. I don't think Russia is a big threat to us, financially or in terms of power. What do you think about the the troop withdrawal in Afghanistan, though? Do you think they've ruined it enough so now they just called it quits? I mean, that's troop what Biden said. Afghanistan or Ukraine. Didn't... Or Afghanistan. In, in Afghanistan. See, Afghanistan, okay, look, th- wherever U.S. goes, Russia's going to be there. It's kind of like a checkpoint for us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing one thing that's going to be difficult, I don't know how Biden's going to address this. He's kind of already made a promise how we're going to remove troops, right? Um, yeah. There's going to be, a, I don't know what the Afghanistan government's going to do with the, the Taliban. Uh, they'll obviously turn to Russia now. So, you know... If Biden is going to do this, there's a lot of implications. Of course, people want, okay, bring the troops home. We, we need our soldiers back. But there's a lot of policy implications ba- because of this. A lot of things can happen here. Um, and Russia, it's going to be a power vacuum, right? Russia's going to swoop in where U.S. L- left off of. And- hey, what, what did I say before? History is repeating itself, fam. Another powerful rich nation leaves a country that's still destabilized. I mean, we've seen it in the African colonies. We've seen it uh, happen in sort of India, I guess. Yeah, they we somehow... had like Portugal and the Dutch in, and yeah. the British just came in. So I'm telling you, history repeats I mean, itself. Af- That's why right. it's important. I mean, Afghanistan is, a, I mean, no one cares about that. If U.S. were to move 
troops from Syria, that would be a whole different story, right? Yeah, yeah. But definitely. Afghanistan is completely different. I, I don't think U.S. government would care too much about that place. Yeah. But countries like Syria would be a different story. Like Iraq would be a different story, right? So,、um, yeah. But I mean, if, you, if, if speaking of Russia, I mean the Ukraine situation. Fifty thousand so- Russian soldiers are in the border, and they're trying to. Looks like they want to invade. I mean, NATO. Yeah, honestly, I, I'm predicting a Russian invasion of Ukraine because they're making very aggressive movements. Well, I don't think Russia's balls enough to do it, bro. I, I、huh? think they're just trying to do a power play here.、Uh, they're just trying to, you know, fear. This is what they always do. They they try to instill fear. They try to. They try to be aggressive, but at the end of the day, I don't think they will do a full-on invasion in Ukraine. I, I don't, I don't, I don't honestly see that happening. I mean, but we'll let's be real.、Happens. This is a whole major topic in and itself. It's pretty massive. Yeah,、so. I completely agree. I think this is a whole other topic that we should discuss for another time. It's insane what Russia is trying to do now.、Uh, but yeah, like like we said, it's another topic for another time. I think we can end it off here for now. Uh, I think my my phrase of the week is just history is going to repeat itself in more ways than one. Hey, one thing we should talk about another one more thing we should talk about just、uh, the situation with Iran.、Uh-huh. You, you guys, you guys see the new headline? Iran's enriching almost to sixty percent uranium, and this is yeah you know, prior to if, major talks with us. If Iran becomes a nuclear power, most probably Saudi Arabia will also become a nuclear power, and it's just gonna. Oh no! Saudi、bad. Arabia already started the nuclear programs. I'm aware, and their nuclear program is entirely a competition against Iran's, and they probably will have American backing because America always backs oil countries no matter what happens. Like for example, when Pakistan got nukes in 1971, America backed it even though it was a tolerable risk. The same thing will happen in the Middle East with Saudi Arabia. So Iran's nuclear program is really threatening. Yeah, and you know, see the thing about like.、Um, We we don't know like even if they get to a nuclear bomb, like they don't have to disclose it, right? We we got out of the agreement. Like we don't know how many bombs Israel has, even though, you know, there's reports that they were ready to use it in the Six Day War, right? So Iran could they could have a nuclear bomb within this year or next year, and they they wouldn't have to disclose it until they use it, right? So either like Mossad comes out has says that Russia in Iran has a nuclear bomb, or like Saudi intelligence comes out says it. So it's it's kind of getting very ten,、uh, tense in the, in the Middle East. It it could lead out to a lot of conflicts and possibly possibly war. I, I see it happening under Biden's administration, or his first term. Yeah, I completely agree, or half agree at least. I don't think it'll be as dangerous as you say, but I think that's all we have for us today.、Um, we've talked about a lot, especially with foreign news. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure to follow us on YouTube. Like and comment as always, and hit that subscribe button, will you? And, and remember, wherever you guys are watching, always buy Dogecoin. Yes, no, <laughs> Pump it up for me. Oh boy, yeah. I mean, if you can pump up check for me to gain more money out of it, I'd be happy with that. But yeah, that's all for us. We'll see you guys next week.